So, uh, welcome listeners to this seventh episode of Autistic Liberation Theology. And I'm really, really excited that uh, we're finally doing our crossover episode. I like to introduce uh, Avery to you all. Uh, and yeah, Avery, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Avery Smith, and I am so happy to be here. Um, I am also autistic, and so I've greatly enjoyed listening to Laura's podcast and have been wanting to come on for a while now. I also have a podcast of my own, Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, where I talk more about trans theology. So um, joining today to sort of combine those is going to be a lot of fun. I, um, I live in the U.S. I'm 26 years old, and I graduated from Louisville Seminary in May 2019. And I think, I think that about sums it up. <laughs> um, I really like how we got to know each other. Right. The story kind of, um, I found your Etsy account with your super cool hand stitch patches about uh, queer, like with queer themes, with autistic themes and theological themes. And we're like, whoa, this is, I need, I need this. And then, <laughs> yeah, kind of how, how to make friends on Etsy. Right. Yeah. I, I remember getting your, your message that, um, where you brought up your podcast and stuff. Um, Yep. And info dumped about, uh, yeah, theological stuff and, yeah, autistic stuff and community yes. TV show and stuff. And, yeah. So this um, uh, format today will be, like, a bit different than previous episodes where I had guests where I was kind of a bit shy to bring up my, like, weird autistic like perspective onto biblical stories and uh now like we both we have been talking about this a lot and i'm not in this position of having to pitch something to you right <laughs> but it rather for for kind of the, the the listeners make like a outline of what we want to talk about today and yeah the topics we want to talk about are um the autistic experience of masking for you who don't know what the word what the term masking describes it is basically um living in a society in a world that's where the majority is non-autistic where the majority is even neurotypical and having to perform in a way that doesn't get you hurt that doesn't get um that kind of translates for the rest of the world um that ac accommodates the rest of the world and mostly that um this masking is not voluntarily and not even um conscious but um right. like deliberate but it is kind of a survival mechanism for um neurodivergent especially for autistic people to um survive in a world that um is hostile towards how we really are and how we, we would really present and act and behave and talk. Mm -hmm. And that is something that harms autistic people, that, cause, um, that costs a lot of energy and a lot of resources um, and causes damage and uh, is, is really um, painful. And when people find out about masking, they realize they often 
can't really stop because it's a survival mechanism and it's a right. trauma response and it's too ingrained um and to take off the mask before covid was kind of an autistic hashtag right that has changed now a bit <laughs> yeah. because we don't want to send mixed messages about uh covid protection right do you, yeah keep keep your literal mask on yeah take off your figurative one <laughs> yeah and there was this one comic about uh an autistic person going out the door and somebody asked do you have your mask and then putting on the mask and the other one and then putting on a fake smile oh oh and so this will be uh like this experience of n- not being able to be ourselves we will try to maybe parallel with being queer especially in like in this podcast being trans mm-hmm. and being uh not not being able to be ourselves uh, uh, express who we really are mm-hmm. because the outside world is hostile and um so to be in the closet or to accommodate the surrounding world um can be the only survival mechanism and also we want to um, look at the power dynamics that if of course if we are in the minority and we are Mm -hmm. in a hostile environment that we are forced to use those mechanisms but those mechanisms can if we're in an environment that is safe for us and that we uh we trust people and still there is kind of this gap in understanding because when for example when we're autistic and we want to make connections with allistic, with non-autistic people, that we still might have to mask as a as a mode of translation. Right. But yeah. that can that this if it's not forced, but it's kind of done out of the desire for genuine connection and relationship, can be done out of love and out of caring and out of out of yeah. Right. Like bridge uh, like like breaching the gap. Yeah. That we would we would kind of love the counterpart or like the the people in that relationship, uh, the holistic people, to also do their part and try to yeah to meet us halfway. Like if we're going to be doing that work, they should also be making an effort um, to connect. Yeah, and the the um, adventurous theological adventurous theological approach we're going to take <laughs> is we're going to try to talk about biblical stories, biblical narratives, where autistic people, trans people, queer people see themselves and their struggle to be understood, their desire to be seen, but also their need to translate themselves, um, like reflected in those biblical stories. And especially when um, those stories talk about how God accommodates humans because God... um, can't be understand fully but craves relationship with humans and so kind of uh selects elements that are like like forms of presentation that can be understood and that can change and also stories where where we see where we discussed it and saw jesus having to accommodate his friends and his disciples and about the the love and care and the um, mentory, teachery element of that, but also the friendship right. craving. Yes. Can you can't you just make it easy for me once? <laughs> element of yeah. the frustration of 
of being the one who always has to explain and to translate. Exactly. And yeah, yeah we, we're going to discuss this idea of God as the ultimate other, where Avery has a wonderful quote. And we're going to read, or Avery is going to read you um, three Bible passages. And uh, then we are going to kind of dive in the stuff that we've been discussing the last weeks. And I know we're going to forget to mention stuff. <laughs> and there's so there have been so many cool and awesome sparks of, of idea and ideas and, and, and mm-hmm. we'll just have to do more than one episode together, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the best thing to me about artistic communication. Like, when we get to converse together, we just sort of both info-dump at each other and yeah. then build off what the other one says. And yeah. it just, it's always such rich discussion. Um, so, yeah, definitely enough for many episodes. <laughs> um, would would you like me to start with the, the quote I have? Yeah. I think that's a great place to begin even before the scripture, just to sort of help people understand yeah. what what we mean when we say sort of reading God through an autistic lens and a trans lens and how it's not necessarily saying that, you know, God is themselves trans or autistic because God is beyond all human gender labels and, and, and neurotypes and all of that. And yet God is really the ultimate other, the way we are often othered by our society. And Joy Layden describes this idea really well in her book, The Soul of the Stranger, A Transgender Reading of God and Torah. Um, She talks about how when she was a child um, who was assigned male at birth, but but never felt like being labeled that fit her. Um, So sort of being forced to be a boy, kind of masking, right? Pretending to be a boy because that's what everyone thought she was. And feeling super isolated in that. Um, but when she read the Torah um, as a Jewish as a Jewish person, she saw that God had similar experiences where God also was sort of viewed and truly is the ultimate other, the ultimate stranger. Um, so she said that, um, like as a child, she realized God God was also so different, too strange for human beings to relate to, and that sort of made her feel less alone. So here's the the passage where she explains sort of that attempt on God's part to make relationships in the Torah, so in the first five books of the Bible, um, and just the difficulty. People who come out as trans in a traditional religious community are often treated as strangers, even by those who have known them all their lives, because they no longer act in ways that make sense in terms of binary gender. Similarly, the human rebellions and divine rages of the Book of Numbers make it clear that even after decades of wandering with God in their midst, to the Israelites, God remains a stranger, a deity whose feelings and actions make no sense to them. Perhaps that is why God repeatedly commands the Israelites to accommodate and include the stranger who dwells among you the non-Israelites who embrace the Israelite community as home. For God, the inclusion of those we see as different is not a disruption or a distraction for religious communities. It is an essential religious practice, part of making a place for the ultimate stranger, God. That's really, really cool. I really like that idea. 
that kind of God's empathy is completely with people who experience that same, like, that feeling of not belonging and that um, God's commandment of, of, of making people comfortable comes from from an understanding of how that feels exactly i I really like that yeah Yeah. and it's sort of this idea something else uh joy laden says is god truly is the ultimate other right where god truly is not a human being among us Mm -hmm. so if we if our faith communities can learn to accommodate god who truly is so strange to us surely we can figure out how to accommodate one another fellow human human beings who are different from us but not so different, right? That also have a lot of com- commonalities. Um, so, yeah. so people who are, are different to us based on um, gender or race or neurotype or culture, um, surely if we practice fitting God into our spaces, we can also learn how to fit one another. That is, uh, I have no idea which gospel that is and where, like, but it is is Jesus saying, how can you claim you love God who you can't see when you can't love your brother who you can see? Yes. I also don't remember where exactly that is, (laughs) but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So should we start with uh, the Bible passages that we've chosen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll start with um, the first one which is focused on God as God represents themselves throughout the Hebrew Bible, the so-called Old Testament. Um, And then the next ones will focus in on Jesus. So here's the first one. It's from 1 Kings chapter 19. It's where Elijah, um, the prophet, has angered Jezebel and other leaders, Ahab, I think, other leaders who want him dead. And so Elijah has fled into the wilderness from these enemies and basically is ready to die. He asks God, like, basically, God, I've done so much for you. I am exhausted. I feel helpless. Can I, can I be done now? Can I just die? And God's response is to send an angel to feed Nap. Um, Elijah, he, an angel who says, like, eat, drink, and then you can go back to sleep. And so Elijah sleeps more. And then Elijah keeps on traveling, um, being sort of fed for the journey by this food and drink from God. And here's the the reading, starting with verse 9. And there he, so Elijah, came to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Holy One came to him. And God said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Holy One, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Holy One. And behold, the Holy One passed by. And a great and strong wind rended the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Holy One. But the Holy One was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Holy One was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Holy One was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him, and it said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah, I'm going to skip over this, paraphrase it. He repeats what he said before about how hard he's been working and how 
people seek to take his life. And this time, the Holy One says to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and basically, you know, continue your your ministry. Um, and that's the end of that. I really, really like that story. Me too. One of the first things I want to say before sort of asking for your input is just a little something about the Hebrew. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And if you, if, if there's a way, if there's a sort of common way this is translated into German, I'd be interested. The the still small voice, right, that, mm-hmm. that when Elijah hears it, Elijah knows, oh, that's God. God wasn't any of those big, powerful things. God is the still small voice. That's how it's usually translated in, in English. But the Hebrew more literally says... Um, a voice, a thin whisper. So instead of a still small voice, there's there's that word thin, that adjective thin instead of like the small the word small. Um, thin, kind of throughout the the Hebrew in the Bible is also used to mean like um, fragile, frail. For instance, in the Joseph of Genesis story, when they're talking about that that dream where there's the fat, healthy cows that eat up the sickly, thin cows. That word thin is this word thin. Ah. And then there's another place where um, I think somewhere in like the prophets or some, some poetry talks about a fine frost. So that idea that frost is going to melt soon, right? It's, it's frail. It's transitory. And so the idea that God comes in a voice that is like a thin, frail whisper yeah. is, is interesting there. The... Um... I just remember the German word that is used in um uh we 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 have been singing this in our choir um in uh, uh Elias oh no is it Handel I'm so sorry no huh, is it Mendelssohn <laughs> ah it's embarrassing okay uh, anyway uh, yeah and that the word um the translation that's used there is soizen and that can be wind going through kind of uh, grass or something like a melodic thing almost oh like 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 yes like that with that whispering rustling sound it has kind of like a a melody element almost oh that's beautiful i like that i like the idea that i mean the whole thing about all those like big nature spectacular stuff that is described kind of Mm -hmm. I guess is probably kind of a a direct like counterpoint towards the um, God images uh, of the neighboring um, cultures that mm, yeah. God has always to be portray- portrayed as kind of um, uh, really like destructive or uh, yeah scary powerful yeah yeah and that the real power of God is that. God can allow God's self to be small yeah, because yeah. because there's no need to demonstrate like muscular strength or yeah. toxic masculinity or any of that. Right. But, but but when when you say frail, basically what God is mimicking or masking mm. is Elijah. Yes. Because Elijah is frail and Elijah is broken and worn out and at the end of of his capacity and god is mirroring that yes god is kind of kind of let me let me 
go into empathy mode and let me kind of mirror that. Yeah, like you, like you feel so vulnerable right now. Yeah, what you need is not a big hulking god. You need you like I will put on frailty with you. Yeah, 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 and that it's not, it's not something fake. It's not God putting on kind of a forced mask. Right. That um doesn't belong to like God's like true self, I guess. Eigenschaften. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's something God can choose, like from a v- wide selection. Right. Of, yeah, and and that's that. What we've the thing that we've been been discussing uh, last days was this idea of this 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 difference for autistic people of when am I forced to mask and when am I choosing to mask? Right. And that there are moments when we we force God to mask when we project stuff, we will project imagery or make idols or kind of have the white, old, white-bearded man on a cloud yeah. image of God. And that can be helpful sometimes or for some people, but if that's the ultimate powerful image, yes. that is the dominant image that suppresses all other images, then we force God to mask for yeah. our comfort or for the comfort of the for the comfort of the the powerful on it usually yeah yeah the 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 privileged and non-marginalized when we realize other people find comfort in other images of god and we get uncomfortable with that Mm. then we force other people to like we force god to mask and we force our our masked god onto other people yeah and that when god is free to reveal god's self to humans to us then god can freely choose to be frail be childish be sad be um silly or be um yeah yeah be passionate or compassionate mm-hmm. and be all those things that god is mm-hmm. but i have this idea of of god being kind of this this endless bag of um stuff and our perception is like this small tube yeah yeah and uh if you empty that bag that will will kind of get all get stuck yeah our brains will explode we can't handle it (laughs) and it won't make any sense because if you see creation as differentiating stuff i think that's an idea i have elaborated on in the tower of babel episode also that like if you have god as a huge blob who one day decided to to let's try differentiating let's have some fun yeah and let's be this like when you have a ray of of sunlight and then you have a prism and then you have rainbow colors coming out you have one thing going in that already contains all the other stuff and then you have a prism and then you have the the colors split out and differentiated mm-hmm. when you see creation like that when you see creation like oh let's start with heaven and earth oh and let's differentiate between dry and water and let's differentiate between right. like having fun in sorting like a really autistic thing like it is <laughs> like when yeah but like little kids lining up all their cars yeah is the sort of yeah and yeah that those things aren't kind of really separate but they are attached to each other by their differentiating yeah and having having really fun in 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 making more differences and more differences and 
humans need differentiated language to understand stuff and that like creation right. is differentiating between uh, uh, stuff that was just one before and so knowing that or creating humans in that image or in that with, with that in mind God already plans to kind of okay then what when I when God reveals God's self to to us to humans then it has to be kind of in that um, differentiated situation or in that yes. context yeah and that's okay that doesn't mean there's something missing of God right or there's something cut off but it's kind of or fake either that God is no no yeah no, yeah, yeah yeah it's just God picking from many options for us yeah yeah and that that doesn't diminish God's greatness or power or anything and because God chose Elijah see I don't need to be Maybe it's also like uh, you don't need to be like that all the time too, Elijah. You don't need to be ragey yeah. and furious and that. Yeah. So let's just take some time to be this this frail yeah. vo voice and that's okay. And you don't need to be scared of your frailty and see, I'm frail too. Yeah. There's no nothing to it. That actually works really well if you if you know how the the chapters leading up to this story where Elijah, what is he doing? Like with the with the priests of Baal, of ba Baal, Baal, um, they are like our God can light a fire like on wet wood or yeah, whatever yeah. the heck. And so Elijah is being loud and powerful in response to their idea of God is loud and powerful and calls God down. And God does. God's like, okay, yeah, I'll be, I'll be the lightning flash and the huge flame. But I'm also like God is that, and God is rushing wind when god needs to be and but yeah. but yeah like god is also the fragile yeah um vulnerable small quiet whisper like like god is all the things at once and beyond all of them even when god is only showing us one piece of god's face at a time i really like this this nurturing idea of let's tend to your needs elijah that's kind of yeah first of all kind of yeah have you napped have you <laughs> like uh I, I like this meme where it says um when you think everyone hates you take a nap yeah and when, and when you, you think hate you everyone, hate everyone eat something have a snack <laughs> yeah that's kind of the uh yes. that might actually not be objectively true you just need kind of you have some physical mm. needs let's address those yes and then like <laughs> let's address your emotional or even physically they kind of your spiritual needs of reorientating and like grounding yourself are you how are you like it's okay to admit that this has worn you out and this has completely yeah uh, cost you all of your energy and let's let's address that and that's yeah that's okay that's right. and like you're not alone through it like god being like Look, I see how frail you feel. Here, I'll be. I'll join you in that. Yeah. I'll join you in that feeling. Yeah. And then, and then I'll send you out because then you'll be ready to return. Yeah. I just have to think about something my mom just told me or reminded me that I don't actually really remember, which is rare. That um, when she, when I was small, that she when I was kind of three four years old. 
she would often observe me trying to join in playing with non-autistic children mm. and kind of being like circling them <laughs> kind oh. of observing oh. and trying to like really always trying to get in and they were really kind of she could see that they didn't want that yeah. and at some point i was so i was kind of so oblivious to the fact that they didn't want me there mm-hmm. they just kept on trying at one point i managed to get in and they really liked my ideas and they really liked me there then in the group oh. and that it was kind of this feeling of if i observe you if i kind of mirror your mannerism or mirror the, the rules of the game then yes. i can then i can kind of join in at some point mm-hmm. and i like this idea of yeah god wanting to mimic yeah. and mirror elijah to to make connection yeah and like it doesn't always have to be a bad thing yeah even and like even like for us as autistic people like there are times where it doesn't mean you're necessarily not being yourself it's just sort of like you're sort of choosing what parts of yourself to show other people yeah and i mean yeah like like you've already said when that is forced it sucks but when it's yeah. something you can choose and then hopefully if you get to know people enough to sort of trust them with bigger and bigger glimpses of your whole self yeah this isn't like theological but this I, maybe just would fit right in here the show community and having abed with uh let's remember the episode physical education i think yeah the one where where um the group tries to uh, the group thinks that a girl is um has a crush on abed and they think oh we need this poor guy probably never gets a girlfriend and this is the once in a life being horribly patronizing and ableist and everything <laughs> and um then it yeah they try to change try to make him change into a version of himself that would get a girlfriend right. and then he kind of plays along and it turns out it was a whole misunderstanding it's hilarious and everything <laughs> and then um the group says oh no what have we done we have oh, we've broken Abed's heart and Abed comes in like smiling and um and says oh you must be so oh I'm so sorry for you you must be really disappointed that your plan didn't work out right and turns out he's been kind of accommodating them all the time and mm-hmm. he's been kind of this he explains then this that he's made the experience that people always want to help him and when they find they can't they leave and they get frustrated and stop talking to him and who that's a painful experience i've made mm-hmm. and this really read my analysis on my blog yes about, that's uh, so good uh, and um britta asked we didn't we didn't damage your self-confidence and he's he says i've got self-confidence falling out of my butt yeah so like <laughs> i really like who i am yes girls usually approach me i don't that's not the problem but when you know what you like about yourself changing for other people isn't that big of a deal is what he says so basically he's been he wants to stay in connection with those people he knows oh those are their patterns and uh let's let's accommodate them Mm -hmm. so so there's this flip uh in like turning of the the power dynamic changes that abed is the patient and accommodating (laughs) friend and yeah right yes and i do appreciate about abed's character throughout the whole show that for the most part he like like you write about on your blog about him dealing with this deep fear of being rejected 
because people can't handle him. Yeah. And yet he is still, even with that sort of unapologetically um, going to be himself. Yeah. Um, and sometimes tone it down type thing. But he's yeah. still like, he's going to talk about his main interests, like, and, and relate the world to TV shows because that's how he sort of connects to the world. He's not going to let them completely change him into a different person yeah. even if he'll sometimes put on a mask that that sort of puts that those aspects of himself away for a little while he's never going to completely change himself yeah that that i've often i've often realized even before i knew i was autistic this feeling of i think i'm i like i really like myself and it's really kind of a mystery to me why other people don't like me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, this is... <laughs> I'm so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. Have you met yeah. me? And this is... You'll never get bored. Just... Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, this, this... Also meeting other autistic people who really feel like that and really feel like, what, what actually is it that makes you uncomfortable? Where is the problem? I, am I not being nice or am I right yeah and it's sort of that idea like when you can have those honest conversations about okay so what am I doing wrong and some of sometimes the answer will be something like well well I just get embarrassed when we're out in public and you're stimming Mm -hmm. and then the problem's on them right the the non-autistic friend to sort of get over themselves and realize that that's a them problem. Yeah. Meanwhile, if the if their problem with you is, I don't think you realize you do this, but you're always cutting me off, or when I'm feeling a certain way, you respond in a way that feels dismissive or hurtful. Because, like you know, sometimes autism can cause us to do that, right? Not read a situation correctly, and then it's more of a give and take, right? Where oh, I actually like. It doesn't mean I'm ashamed of being autistic, but there's elements of autism yeah, that yeah. mean I have to put a little more work in to make sure I'm not overlooking someone's feelings type thing. And so I don't know if that's exactly masking, but No, but that's 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 communicating and that that's yeah. that's that's translating and that's kind of um this this whole also this whole thing that the problematic things that allistic people do they are so normalized that they're mm. just kind of a given yeah <laughs> yeah could you please give me instructions and not passive aggressive hints and that would be really nice yeah just say what you want yeah <laughs> like if you're upset because i didn't notice you were feeling something yeah you can yeah. tell me you're feeling it and then you don't yeah. have to be upset at me for not noticing <laughs> yeah the give and take of that and and that that really uh, brings me back to your quote about that there are so many misunderstandings and communication problems between God and the Israelites. Right. Yeah. Kind of constantly, kind of what? Well, no, I didn't. I thought that worked like that, and <laughs> then there's this constant struggle to to yeah to get it right with each other, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is is this sort of a good time to sort of phase into the Jesus part of this? Yeah. Because that's like the huge thing, right? Him having sort of having to do that same sort of communication with his friends, family, um, enemies, strangers, everybody. And uh, yeah, especially the different power dynamics that 
you have when you are at the same time in a teaching position and friends with people right kind of um and also that like also also being kind of a, a homeless couch surfer right. yeah kind of, like it's all really kind of all the hierarchical um layers are kind of transgressed by jesus just being like all of that at once and uh yes yeah so um which which one would you read next uh I think maybe the yeah the mark where him sort of having trouble with all the crowds is a good place to start mm -hmm. um, as one of the sort of elements that really resonates with autistic people to sort of start us off. Mm -hmm. um, so throughout the first few chapters of Mark, we constantly see Jesus trying to get away from the crowds that keep flocking to him because they want him to preach and heal. And he just needs a break, right? He's got to rest. He's got to pray. He's got to eat. Um, and so there's a lot of examples of that. And the one I wanted to to read is from Mark, is from Mark 3, um, starting at verse 7. So this is after he was just preaching and healing. And it says, Then Jesus went away with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd from Galilee followed him. And from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan River, and around Tyre and Sidon, a great crowd came to him when they heard about the things he had done. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, so the crowd would not press toward him. For he had healed many, so that all who were afflicted with diseases pressed toward him in order to touch him. And then he goes on to preach from the boat. Yeah, I, I liked what you said earlier about yeah jesus learning to be compassionate with himself right yeah that throughout these first few chapters of mark he is he keeps trying to sort of get away and people keep pulling him back in and there's that one point when he heals that man who gets lowered down like into the house where jesus is yeah so he's like inside a house with the crowd pressing all around him <laughs> and it seems from these stories that Jesus, like a lot of autistic people and a lot of people of various, you know, various people can't really like, it's really hard for him to be in these crowds because like he keeps trying to get away to have some time to himself and it's not working. So finally he's like, look, I want to pre, you know, I want to, I want to help you. Like I've come here to be ministering to you. So again, that power dynamic, right? That he knows he's the teacher. So he, he has chosen this role mm -hmm. and it means that sometimes he's going to have to put their needs over his, Yeah. but that doesn't mean he can't be compassionate with himself too. And so he'll preach from a boat so that there's a little space um, while he preaches. Yeah. I, I really like this, this ideas of um, kind of needs and boundaries checking and figuring out. So he's really aware of the needs of the people. Mm-hmm. They are not really aware of his needs and boundaries. Yeah. So he, he needs to kind of self-check and realize, okay, I can't continue at this pace. Like you said earlier, also with like a point or like outsourcing the, the preaching to his disciples. Right. So, yeah. And then I, I really like this idea that it's actually really on water. This is kind of this literally fluid boundary of can come closer you can come go further away and kind of there's no wall between them there's no he's not standing on on kind of a pedestal right above them but it's kind of yeah it's kind of really like a safe space 
that still allows most of the the connection. Yeah. Yeah, like that he's not like, look, I'm high above you and that's why you can't touch me. It's yeah. Hey, we're still on like the same footing, but I'm putting this the water between us so that I can have a little space to myself. Yeah, the the, the one passage you often mention when when Jesus gets kind of touched and realizes somebody's been touching me. Right. He is very sensitive to touch. Somebody's been healed and there has been like a, a almost like an instant relationship or connection between somebody who really needed something and that he kind of yeah, he's or that that the, the constant like going back onto kind of a hilltop or like uh, on the outskirts of the city, kind of to to, to calm down and to to have mm-hmm. some quiet space and to recharge because he's really honest with himself that he has physical limitations and mental limitations and emotional limitations. Yeah, and um, that's something I've experienced with with when I'm kind of realized how my masking works mm. at the beginning when i heard like understood the concept this was kind of really uh oh this is going to be big and i will realize that most things i do are like masking and when i realized what the concept of fawning like people pleasing was that really shook me up and i realized this is most of what i do in any any relationship in any conversation or any in- encounter with other people and then you have to wonder, so who am I? Like, I don't even know myself because I'm always wearing the mask. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many layers do I have to scrape off until I can actually... Uh, it doesn't even feel safe to to encounter yourself because it feels so forbidden. It feels... And, um, yeah, the, the... that At some point I realized, okay, masking isn't per se, like, evil. It all it, it I've realized it's harmful to me, it's painful, it's exhausting, it's draining, it isn't healthy. But there are relationships or situations when I can deploy it kind of deliberately or more deliberately. Right. I can choose like it. Choose yeah. to do it. Yeah. And when it's by your own agency. Yeah. It's a little less harmful, especially because then you like know with you sort of know in the back of your head when you can take it off again. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel, because with all survival mechanisms, you often feel like you can't switch them off right. because they're kind of like automatic and they're kind of um, too ingrained. And when you at one point realize, oh, I am now have taken the mask off and on like often enough, now I realize I can stop. Yeah. That um, you, you are in, like, it's, it's something that doesn't control you, but you can actually regulate right and yeah then when you choose i just imagine this this choice of um ministry that jesus or anybody in ministry made at some point to realize what that means and how to mm-hmm. overspend yourself at times and to realize you have to go into depth and you can recharge again right but that's your position that's your you 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 need to you you need don't need to be afraid of that if you kind of are honest with you about oh how much minus spoons i'm on now or like for anyone who doesn't know the term spoons is often used for for like energy units in like the mental health or the chronic illness or disability community yeah and so 
that this choice really means really honest like a budget uh, like energy budget and um there are points where you have to to step back and recharge and there are points where you can actually do something that that drains you a bit and right yeah like saying like okay i know i have to go meet with this person this afternoon so that means this morning i should just relax so that i'll have enough energy yeah to do that because i'm gonna have to put on my mask and do yeah do a variety of things yeah, yeah. that's what what you said uh, um when you were working um was it counseling oh as a chaplain yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. As, so I did an internship for just one semester as a chaplain and I really liked it. I might go back to it, but it is an interesting role for an autistic person in particular to put on because it means that no matter what my own energy levels are and emotional state is, if I get called in to be with a patient who is typically in crisis, I have to be there for them. Yeah. And so that's a time when a mask really is a the figurative mask is a very useful tool. Yeah. Um, because no matter what's sort of going on with me, I have to be able to put on that mask of sort of professionalism and compassion for them, um, and be ready to do what they need. And it's it is really it's draining. Chaplaincy is one of those jobs that yeah, like you were saying, like if you chose if you choose that ministry, yeah, you know what you're signing up for. Just like Jesus, as this rabbi and preacher, he knows what he's signing up for, and that means you know he he's chosen it, he's ready for it, but also you have to pay that extra attention to to your energy and and when you need to step back for a while. And I I also think like. Going back to, to Elijah with this idea of I have to be strong all the time. I can't allow right. the feeling of I'm through. I'm, I can't allow this feeling of I, I can't, um, I don't have any power. It's either being functioning all the time or dying. Like it's oh, not, yes, there's no, yeah. there's no being, being frail. And I, I often feel like many people, who, especially who are kind of feel extreme extremely compassionate and wanting to help they feel like they can't allow the feeling of this is too much for me they have to, i noticed for myself i have to deny that this is too much for me yeah because the consequence would be that i can't do this that i can't help that person right but that's not that's not how it works the point is you be aware that this is now draining be aware that the kind of your uh, fuel tank like like fuel your fuel is running out, mm -hmm. and t have an eye on the needle and right. look, um, and be be fully aware of how draining that is. So you can kind of know, oh, I can I can have this two hour conversation with that person in crisis mm -hmm. because afterwards I can allow myself all the pain. Exactly. And yeah. afterwards, and I'm going to I'm not going like accumulate that debt, but I'm going to refuel again. But if I deny that that is draining, if I pretend that that is I can take it in my stride because I'm too scared of being frail. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. Right. But you need to be really honest about the breakdown afterwards. Yeah. Or the preparation before. Yeah. Or you will just burn out the way Elijah yeah. did in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and God had to nurse him back to health. Yeah. Because he, he had yeah. done too much and put too much on himself. That burnout is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the 
first Jesus um, passage. Mm -hmm. The second one was, where where do we find that again? Um, Matthew 16. There's also a version in Mark 8. So this is from Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. Now when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Humanity is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said, But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus replied, Happy are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because no human has shown this to you. Rather, my parent who is in heaven has shown you. And then Jesus goes on to say, like, you're going to be my rock. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Basically, is very excited about this. And then, and then we get to verse 20. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and legal experts, and that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter took hold of Jesus and, scolding him, began to correct him. God forbid, Lord, this won't happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stone that could make me stumble, for you are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. I, I can remember when we we hadn't even talked much. It was kind of, we were just like Facebook and Etsy friends, uh-huh. and you posted basically something, some, some thoughts about that on Facebook. And I was yeah. really, wow, that's so awesome. That's like really kind of Jesus looking for validation and being so sad and being so... Mm-hmm. just see me just I, I for once make it easy for me and yeah being vulnerable yeah that that urgency to be seen and known yeah um so that's so it's a passage where Peter was doing great and then gets yelled at <laughs> yeah that's so brutal that's kind of even the stone metaphor gets kind of mm-hmm Wait, I know you're so right that first Peter's a rock as a like a firm foundation, and now he's the rock that Jesus might trip on. Stumbling block. That's oh. that's so. Oh, like th- that's the worst feeling when kind of praise and 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 is is kind of taken back. Yeah, that's so oh, no. horrible. That's so horrible, and yeah. kind of being scolded like that and being insulted like that by somebody who's just told you, "Oh, you got it right. You got it right," and. Uh, God kind of, I like this idea of, oh, I didn't have to explain it to you. Nobody had to explain it to you. Kind of you, you're in connection with God and right. God, like my parent uh, showed you yes. who I am. So I, I didn't need to do the explaining. Kind of, you see me, my brother. Like that relief there, um, like that relief and joy, like you get it. Yeah. And then the next part, like, just kidding. You're not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts, like... And and I, I can all I can understand them both so like yeah. Jesus being kind of this relief and then realizing oh like you say in German like to zu früh gefreut like spoken too soon or like yeah mm. like ah uh, yeah I was I was relieved but now I see there's still so much work to do. Like yeah. uh there was a there was a moment when I when I could kind of think uh with you I don't have to do the explaining right and maybe he left his teacher position for once yeah yeah 
and realized no they're not ready yet mm-hmm. this takes still takes time and jesus being so mean yeah like jesus being really you you can really you can tell he's frustrated and and hurt really showing how how wonderful that must have felt to be seen without an effort mm-hmm. and then realizing oh it wasn't uh, i was wrong uh. yeah and that yeah yeah and, and but also can uh, it must be horrible for peter i remember when we were talking about that's an episode that needs i need to do at one time like i read peter as very much adhd yes and so many points mm-hmm. and you said Oh, the rejection sensitive dysphoria that must have triggered in Peter. For sure. Kind of yeah. being kind of from hero to zero, basically. Oh yeah. Kind of this yeah. this uh Poor Peter. Oh no. Yeah. Kind of but you can see that Jesus doesn't just go softly and gently back to the teacher position, kind of this mm. uh oh we're not like let, 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 let me support you and explain that again. But it's kind of this they are so close. They're so yeah that the that Jesus allows himself to be really mean yeah and to really drop yeah like like leaning on a rock for support and then stumbling on mm-hmm. that rock like that's yeah so I think I think it's also like the idea like Jesus thought like oh I can take off my mask with this person now like yeah yeah because he gets it and I think. Again, I read the Matthew version, and there's some of this in Matthew, but Mark really drives it home where throughout some of the early chapters, whenever someone seems to have the idea that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God, the way Peter does here, Jesus then says, like he does here in verse 20, then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone he was the Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, like Because that's under the mask that he's wearing for everybody, for friends, for the people he's serving, for fellow religious leaders. He's wearing a mask so they can't quite see he's the Christ yet because he's not ready yet or something like that. But he he was vulnerable here because Peter got it. It feels almost like a coming out story right that yeah he came out to the disciples and then tells them but i'm not ready to be out to everyone yet so yeah yeah so don't tell yeah. them yet and then it is also like when you tell someone you're you're trans or you're autistic yeah you think because they know the the word now right oh good thank goodness they know i'm they know i'm non-binary they know i'm autistic so now they know something about me right and then you realize what they they just know the word autistic and they're applying to you all the assumptions they have about what autistic means. Yeah. So for Peter, he says, you're the Christ. And so he has that label correct, that word correct. Yes, I'm the Christ. Yeah. But Peter's idea of what Christ means is is way different from what it means for Jesus. Yeah. And so that shock of realizing, oh, he knows I'm the Christ, but he actually doesn't know what that means to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. it sucks. I have that feeling so often when I feel like, for example, when I'm with, uh, at the new doctors, like, oh, finally this doctor gets me, or finally here, here I can, I can kind of, not relax, but kind of take off the responsibility a bit, mm-hmm. and then the doctor says something completely ableist or completely, um, like, yeah. and then I realize, okay, get the backpack back on, and get <laughs> like the, all that weight is kind of. I should never have taken that off. I yeah. should kind of stayed in control and not mm. allowed myself to be vulnerable and 
Yeah, especially in, in a medical situation where they have so much power over you yeah. that to open yourself up to them and then accidentally say something that like because you trust them, but then they read it in a way that makes them withhold something from you that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this I I still like kind of this this um when when Jesus says to Peter, Oh yeah, like how wonderful that I didn't have to explain and nobody told you but my parent told you mm -hmm. then also kind of that's actually the revelation or the like the coming out Jesus wants. Yeah. And that's maybe like that may also play into the whole don't tell anyone because if you kind of spread the word and people right. get the wrong idea, like mm. associate the wrong thing with that, then um, I want people to, 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 to understand that like from relationship and not from... Yeah, their own expectations and stuff. Your relationship with Jesus over time, it should just make it clear to you who and what he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me so sad. <laughs> This, for, for for all of them like it's just it's un, it's sadly relatable yeah for a lot of us if you have a part of yourself that especially if it's a part of yourself that's not like immediately visible mm -hmm. and so it's um just like having to decide whom you can trust with with it how they'll take it and and all of that it's it's really hard to navigate that can you remember what we were talking about a few weeks ago? We were talking about how it, how it feels like, especially when people are close to us and they do something like like a little bit pr like painful to us that we feel kind of this is completely completely breakdown. And if that would have been a different person, that wouldn't have hurt us that much. And I was like using that term of we kind of melt into the other person or we melt into stuff that's really important to us and we get like right like especially autistic people like with this yeah. semi-permeable membrane <laughs> around us and being kind of not having really natural boundaries mm -hmm. kind of being merging with another person if, if that person kind of says something painful there's no shield there's nothing to protect us yeah and then we sometimes need to pull up that shield kind of really strong and really yeah yes yeah like when it's when it's some random person on the street that misgenders you or says something really crappy it's like oh whatever i never lowered my mask for you anyway i never let you in but then when it, yeah when it's someone that you've you've become open to and like you're saying that <laughs> that with with we off like we we do sort of absorb so much of other people and our relationships are really in, in, intense and close that you you can't you can't throw the shield back up without like sort of cutting off part of yourself and them yeah yeah because you've already yeah. sort of become entangled. I just have to think about that one other really painful community episode with Troy and Arbet being in civil war, right? And that they know each other so well, and also like um like I love that you confirmed my reading of Troy as ADHD. ADHD Troy. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that basically they love each other so much and they know each other so well mm -hmm. and they are so hurt and so in pain that what Troy sends to his troops, yeah, like, um, is basically a list 
of Troy's weaknesses, but they're if you read them, they're basically ADHD traits. Right. Yeah. And so he kind of, kind of. When Troy reads them, that's his worst. Like his like. Just imagine that rejection sensitive dysphoria that gets triggered right. at that moment. Yeah. His best friend speaking that out loud and telling that to his enemies and telling kind all of, his fears yeah. and weaknesses yeah and and then troy sending this horrible text message to abed where he says um um basically i've been your first friend but what i know but you don't know uh basically he says because you have mental issues but that's yeah. really ableist he yeah. says that I was your only friend because no one will ever be this patient with you. Right. And they both know each other's worst triggers. Exactly. Yeah. They, because they, they... Abed, Abed does know that. Like we, like he yeah. has that fear that no one else, that yeah. no one will be. And he, he has experienced uh, abandonment. And this is kind of, they both trigger each other with their worst fears because they know each other and love each other so much. And just, just having Jesus kind of, being so mean to Peter in that moment is a sign how much they love each other and how much that's weird, but right. kind of. No, yeah, no, that makes a lot of, that actually, I like that parallel a lot because Peter sort of unwittingly triggered that, like that in Jesus because yeah. Jesus had opened himself up and thought Peter got it and then was yeah. proven wrong. And so he lashes out and does the same to Peter. Yeah, yeah. And yet, like, Peter that we know is always so enthusiastic, you know, like, he's the one who yeah. runs to walk on water with Jesus. Like, he's always so desperate, like, yeah. to get it. Like, he's the one who seems to really want to get Jesus. Yeah. And so they are able to get close, but that means they're able to hurt each other, too. Oh, uh, I need, I need really, uh, like, a really long episode about ADHD Peter. Mm-hmm, and my, my, mm-hmm. my... Uh, ADHD Peter, autistic Jesus, John the Baptist. Yeah, we can just... yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is really like this feeling that like when you're friends when you're autistic and also ADHD, like in my case, and you are friends with allistic ADHD people, that there is so there's the danger of miscommunication and of starting starting out with the same level of enthusiasm mm-hmm. and then um kind of being autistic and really having perseverance and having kind of finishing stuff like going through with stuff mm-hmm. and having the ADHD person losing focus it can feel mm-hmm. like you're both cartoon characters running off at the same speed and the other person <laughs> just suddenly goes okay bye and you can just mm-hmm. like, run off a cliff yeah and you kind of what what this feeling of what I often get when I watch Jesus Christ Superstar, because I feel that is really comes across a lot. This feeling of everyone has questions. All those songs are with questions, and right. I don't know how to love him or like Jesus Christ Superstar. Do you think do you are who they say you are and all that stuff? And Jesus being kind of all alone, really all alone all the time, and being kind of no one gets it. But I love yeah. them so much, but they don't get it. And this, right? Ah, uh, this this need and longing for for connection but this being other right that's always there yeah and no desire not to be other but the desire to breach that wow this got sad is there a way we can like turn this to end on like a happier note yeah yeah (laughs) uh
we can talk about the, the the goofy stories about kind of the disciples not getting it. Right. Yeah. Like this. This. Where is this? This. This one passage with kind of Jesus saying something about supply for everyone, and they just say, "Oh, he means we need more fish or something right? like that." And you think like this is this is comedy. Yes. This is hilarious. Yes. This is. At the Last Supper, I, I'm going to assume it's in the Gospel of John because that's the longest Last Supper scene, but I could be wrong which Gospel. But um, Jesus says something about, again, I think sort of about supplies or something. Like, like um, he's basically telling them, okay, we're about to go in the garden and things are going to get rough. It's going to be scary. And one of them, maybe Peter, someone is like, um, we have two swords. Is that enough? <laughs> to fight? And Jesus sarcastically replies, Yes, that's plenty of swords. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the Roman Empire, the the forces of the Roman Empire. You have two swords. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. <laughs> like Jesus did not mean weapons. Like I, I like sarcastic and sassy Jesus. Yes, like kind of salty Jesus. <laughs> and yeah, you were like you were asking uh, if I know an example where Jesus is kind of forced to mask or like not deliberately masking. And I was like mm. thinking about the story where Jesus gets schooled. By the woman yeah so either the the canaanite or syrophoenician woman yeah depending on the gospel <laughs> basically jesus has this really kind of what do you call it kind of the idea of 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 the time or of the of some messianic expectation of just being there for yeah for really strict like really selected group of people yeah. and so um that woman is yeah and just like being sort of xenophobic like yeah yeah i i didn't come for gentiles i'm only here for the jews like yeah so why would i save your child which is just such a cruel thing to say to someone asking you to save their child's life and then then that woman is i don't know if that's being kind of like fawning or if that's really also kind of sarcastic kind of well but you like that's then then treat me like a dog but you would feed a dog like yeah because he says something like that like um like basically gentiles are dogs i'm not here for dogs and she says well if i'm a dog well um even dogs get scraps from the master's table yeah yeah i i think i personally definitely read it as sort of sarcasm or like a witty reply like okay fine let i'll be a dog yeah you still yeah. gotta give me the scraps like <laughs> And then kind of Jesus realizing, okay, that was really a narrow idea of him to, um, could, why I connected that with masking was kind of that there are still those expectations about if you want to be kind of a, like a public preacher or like going to ministry, then you have to kind of, you have all those ideas that are floating around about what to expect or like, and then mm -hmm. having kind of internalized them. Yeah, if you're so used to to being what people expect you to be. Yeah. It's like that mask is sort of permanent. And so, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. yeah. And then needing another person to call him out on that and saying, well, that's rubbish. What, what good is a messiah? That's just kind of, yeah. Like, and so, yeah, that person making it possible for, for him to, to adjust that and kind of be realizing no no that's she's right uh, yeah. and yeah and it's sort of it's almost like she sees behind that mask that she knows that's not the kind of messiah he is um, yeah like yeah like you could imagine that that she trusts that if she says this thing to him he'll get it that mm -hmm. like she sees through the mask to who he really is and it's someone who cares for everybody yeah yeah basically 
yeah, she can't allow herself to be sarcastic with him because that's what it need what he needs now. Like yeah. he needs like she's heard about this guy. She knows the stories. Yeah. Um that this is someone who cares. And so she's able to 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 get the mask off him so that he can do what he wants to you know, what she needs him to do. And I think maybe that that would be kind of a good like um segue to other goofy stories about the apostles not getting it kind of uh-huh. the thing with they're alone in the house and kind of discussing who is the biggest among them and and jesus comes back and says so what were you talking about guys and they kind of are silent and kind of <laughs> yes. nothing and uh i really would like love to to kind of examine the mechanisms and behaviors of the apostles and, and the disciples a bit and the so the adhd peter story will definitely be an episode Mm. Yeah, then then of course we will do a an episode about John the Baptist, which we b- both read as super autistic and as yeah like the idea of Jesus like Jesus and John recognizing each other as autistic in the womb yeah like that is going to be a nice funny episode I think yeah yeah there's there's fun stuff ahead and I'm. Mm-hmm. I just have to look how long we've been recording. Haha, <laughs> this is going to be a really long episode. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, but... Oof. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy that we finally did this. And this is going to be a really cool episode. And let's do many more, like, in time. And please. Yes, pl- please, please yeah, invite me back. You're, like, permanently invited. <laughs> it's so much you fun. Want. And, yeah... Um, thank you all for listening and yeah as I said before if you have any ideas for topics or if you want to be a guest or if you have like yeah bible passages you want to discuss raise your hand and uh, contact (laughs) us or me or yeah thank you Avery for being a guest yeah it was such a delight it's always so much fun talking to you so (laughs) It, it really is it really is So see you next time and bye.